Cowboy Season, a podcast built on conversation and growth, focusing on the best and worst parts of all of humanity. And now, your hosts, Cleve and Matty Ice. All right, another week. Another episode of Cowboy Season. I'm your host, Matty Ice, or your co-host, Matty Ice. And uh, with me, as always, is Cleve, and I'll bring Cleve in in a minute. Um, it's been a couple weeks since we, we came to you. You know, life gets busy and everything. Uh, Cleve is a busier man than I am these days, despite having a 15-month-old running around. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Greatest Heels. So, Cleve, before uh, we get into the topic du jour of today... Uh, I just wanted to let you know that uh, and any listener who wasn't familiar with some of the wrestling references that we made last uh, last episode to check out uh, the documentary series Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, very good stuff. Definitely looks at some of the, the darker aspects of wrestling and kind of lets you know that it is uh, some some real stuff. So definitely check that out. But uh, Cleve, how are you today? Doing good. Doing good. Um, little cloudy, which is fine. Um just uh, we're not gonna have the weather we had last week, which was like 90s and horrible. But you know, it's gonna be a rainy day. Yep, I have to ask you, uh, how have you been navigating the cicada infestation? Because uh, I, I live a little bit more in the burbs down here, um, and we we have it in. They are at full throat. It is like a UFO is landing here. I just was curious how it went for you. Surprisingly, there's nothing around here. Maybe Man. I'm just. Maybe I'm just like, there's nothing. Maybe I'm tuning it out. Maybe it's white noise to me now, but don't hear them. Uh, I see one or two here and there. I, oh, I see birds gathering to like pick at them, but not of like the last time. I remember like the last time they were like everywhere. I So maybe maybe it's me or maybe they just, they're just not in this particular where I like where I'm at, but it's been great so far. So good. Yeah, uh, I got absolutely buzzed by one on a walk earlier today, so <laughs> fuck, fuck that guy. Anyway, uh, as is the usual fare every week, we were working out, not quite together. There's another another week or so for that, but uh, we always we always have great conversations. I feel like when we are when we're working out and just in general, uh, and most of our conversations lead to something in this show. But we have talked about this particular subject matter before. But I think there's a new, um, you know, there's sort of a new story that's come out in the last week that I think allows us to get a little bit deeper into it. So um, athletes and the media have had, I think, would you say it's fair to call it a complicated relationship over the entirety of like, you know, mainstream sports? Would you agree with that assessment? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And I'm sure you and I could uh, do an entire episode of some of the most famous like meltdowns with the media that we can think of. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's always been sort of a, I hate to even call it a time-honored tradition, but it's been sort of a part of the uh, unspoken contract when it comes to being an athlete. And in a lot of cases now, it's a contractual obligation to interact with, talk to the media. And unfortunately, they're talking with the media sometimes at their most vulnerable moments. Mm -hmm. uh, but generally speaking, athletes have interviews between games, pre-game, post-game. Uh, and, you know, sometimes they ask him some questions like in the middle of a game, but it's been something that has been a, a longstanding staple of sports for a long time. Um, however, uh, in the in the world of tennis, Naomi Osaka. So for our listeners who are not necessarily familiar, I'm not a huge tennis fan in terms of like watching it daily, but I know who most of the main main people are. She is one of the up and coming 
uh, superstars in, in the uh, tennis world. And I think she's 23 years old. I consider her very similar to like Serena back when Serena was that young, very accomplished. Um, and now that she is becoming more accomplished, she has become more outspoken about a great many things. First, I think she has shown that she is um, unapolog unapologetically black, which no problem with that, right? You you rep who you are and you rep uh, what you, what you want to rep. Uh, she's also gotten a lot of endorsements and so forth. And she has kind of been seen now as, I, I want to call her one of the faces of professional tennis right now. So she put out a statement and this is per her Instagram feed. And basically it says um, that she is going to not be doing press uh, during the French Open, which is upcoming. And some of the things she said are this. Um, I, she said, I'm writing this to say that I'm not going to do any press during Roland Garros. I've often felt that people have no regard for athletes' mental health, and this rings very true whenever I see a press conference or partake in one. We're often sat there and asked questions that have been asked multiple times before, or asked questions that bring doubt into our minds, and I'm just not going to subject myself to people that doubt me. I've watched many clips of athletes breaking down after a loss in the press room, and I know you have as well. I believe that whole situation is kicking a person while they're down, and I don't understand the reasoning behind it. Me not doing press is nothing personal to the tournament, and a, compl and a couple of journalists have interviewed me since I was young, so I have a friendly relationship with most of them. However, if the organizations think that they can just keep saying, quote, do press or you're going to get fired, end quote, and continue to ignore the mental health of the athletes that are the centerpiece of their cooperation, then I just gotta laugh. Anyways, I hope the considerable amount that I get fined for this will go towards a mental health charity. Peace and love. And that is per her Instagram feed. So she is kind of doing something fairly unprecedented, I think, in the tennis world where she is deciding not to partake um, in any media interviews. Uh, and I wanted to just get your initial thoughts on that, you know, without knowing anything else about it. Um. So when we, when we brushed it over during our talk offline, I didn't know I didn't I didn't know the the extent of the entire comment so you just read it and I am 1000% in her camp about that mm -hmm. um in so many ways um you know I I always have this fair balancing act between uh big management and 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 employees subordinates like I'm you know I kind of fall on two sides of that coin but when it comes to what she's saying and the hearing those words you are catching someone at their rawness and their realness um you know i just think about something devastatingly happened something devastating happened happening to you and all of a sudden there's a hot mic in your face like hey matt what do you think of this and you're like i just lost somebody like what do you mean what i think of this or and i'm not talking about a game more or less because sometimes i remember i remember when brett Favre played a football game the day that his dad died. Mm -hmm. um, he had an incredible performance out of his mind, but they're asking him, how does he feel? Like, how do you think he feels? Like, like he, he can't, he's out there because he's, it, it's a game. I can't remember if it was a meaningless game, meaningful game, but he was Monday out there. Yeah. So he was out there to, you know, I don't know if he was trotted out there like, Hey, you got to get out here no matter what, which I would think would be purely insensitive. But, um, Hearing how she articulated that, I can understand where she's coming from. But again, there's a balancing act because uh, the contractual thing may be that you need to do like press, like what how like Marshawn used to handle it, where he just sits there and they're asking him questions and he's just you know doing his thing or whatever. So 
Um, I do believe that when you're catching someone in the moment, and I guess as as a sports fan, you wanna you wanna hear about someone. Hey, so you just like you just lost your world title. How do you feel? Like, <laughs> how you think I feel? You know? Yes. Um, to me, there has been a it's it's been sort of uh, imbalanced in how all of this works because I think that there's many facets to the media athlete relationship that lend themselves to the the prosperity of the sport and the brand of the athlete in general, right? Because mm -hmm. one of the reasons that these athletes have the presence that they have is not just because they sign a big contract. I, there's plenty of people that make lots of money in this country that we know nothing about, right? And we don't necessarily need to know anything about them. Even within the confines of whatever profession you are in, the highest paid people within it, you don't necessarily know anything about them. But one of the interesting aspects of this is that athletes and their media presence and what they do with the media which is an all-encompassing thing like this is focusing on being interviewed as a part of a sports competition mm -hmm. but being part of the media in general furthers their brand obviously the more they're talked about the more their ventures are talked about and you know the charitable opportunities are talked about and so forth and so i feel as if there's an interesting sort of line that's being drawn here as to when is it, when is it appropriate for the media to be involved in an athlete's business, if you will, and when is it not? And I think that it opens the door for that precedent to be set of perhaps during the heat of competition, this is not the appropriate time to do that. And athletes should yeah. have the athletes should be given the uh, liberty, if you will, to say no, especially if they are not at their best in terms of coming into a tournament, not feeling their best, having just lost, right? The circumstances really dictate, like talking to a baseball player after losing regular season game 62 isn't nearly the same as asking a guy who gave up the game winning home run in the World Series, right? Yeah. Completely different. So I think that this actually allows for an opportunity for there to be a change in the paradigm. I don't think that that's going to happen, but I kind of see it that way. The other aspect of this that I think is worth noting, and I think this is where the deeper conversation comes in, is the type of clout that an athlete has when they pull a move such as this. So let's relate it back to the Aaron Rodgers stuff. You are heavily in the camp that Aaron Rodgers is not acting the way that the face of a franchise or the captain of a, of a squad should be acting. That if he's not unhappy with the organization that he works in, he is more than... Uh, you know, he's more than able to be able to speak that to management in a way that is professional and also kind of holds the, the team, you know, accountable. Right. Mm -hmm. And he has not really done that. It's a lot of whispers in the background. And now finally, right before their their deadline to be able to trade him in terms of like, you know, money and financials, um, he comes out and finally puts his name to it. And you have been firmly against that. But you've also said how and other teammates are following him in that endeavor but not every single person is aaron Rodgers. not every single person has the ability to do that and survive and i right. think that is also applicable here in a solely individual sport where there is nobody else you know that that is responsible for the success but you um it's very much incumbent on you if you want to build yourself as a brand to not only win but then continue that with some type of a media presence. And then the more mm -hmm. media presence you get, the more endorsements you get. And I might add too, it's a lot of white business money that goes into those endorsements. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that necessarily changes anything, 
but it's an element of this that is interesting because Naomi Osaka can eat that fine because she mm -hmm. has a she's like the number she's one of the number ones but somebody who's trying to up who's up and coming somebody who's trying to make it somebody who doesn't have that kind of clout can't pull that in the same way because that fine has an exponentially higher um impact on them than it does to her so i wanted to hear mm -hmm. your thoughts on on all of that so 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 a few things to unpack there first off i don't i don't think that you know in in the realm of how i you know i i kind of view both sides of it i don't think that with the contractual piece attached to it i don't think that 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 buys someone's silence or buys their voice um you know this person is an individual and that's how it kind of goes um when it came down to asking tiger woods about if he lost a major because of his affair it's like what the like what does that have to do with any like maybe it's affecting him but that is not where you ask him on national tv hey you know what you just lost it on the 18th and so how was the mistress like what's going on with that you know like what what's going on so i also want to go into you're right someone who's making who's number 100 on the tour versus someone who's number 10 there is a difference of of what you can say what you can do and and, and how big it is right when, when we go into this particular conversation i can only think of the most iconic athlete of 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 all time in most regards in, in muhammad ali uh his public stance uh against the vietnam war um and and his draft status went on full regal and for it it cost him five years of his prime like he was in his prime his people forget that ali was you know it helped him in a way because it saved him as a fighter from the from the ring wear but it cost him financially five years of income to the point where he was doing okay first couple of years in but then i think joe lewis gave him a loan and, you know that was all that, that was all kind of materialized later on uh, stuff like that, but you know, when you, meaning the 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 conglomerate, the the major machines behind these leagues and these and these events and and stuff like that, you got to understand who who your air quotes buying because it can it can very well backfire. LeBron James is the type of person, and this is my opinion, not the opinion of Maddie Ice Media or or Matt, is the type of person where you're like he's just gonna say whatever at this point because he's so he's so big you know he's so he's so um entrenched in so many things that him saying the things that you don't expect him to say or him saying something insensitive or it seems off brand he can get away with that right but it works two ways because when when the whole conspiracy well conspiracy i'm sorry the whole ordeal that happened a few years ago where he didn't want to put himself into the arena because his he has business interests in China in, in his in his shoe wear. Like it, it kind of tells you, okay, well, so you're gonna speak on this, but you're not gonna speak on that. You know, if I'm asking you in the media, hey, so how do you feel about this? And he's like, Well, I, I just played the playoff game. I want to talk about the game. And I'm like, okay, but when do I catch you to talk about? this this current event so it's a very delicate balancing act 
I get it. But I don't think that the currency buys you your voice or your silence when it comes down to it. It's interesting, too, because you and I did an episode probably like a month ago about whether athletes, and I think we mostly focused on non-white athletes, have some sort of a, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, like a an obligation to sort of further social justice matters with their platform, right? Mm-hmm. And how do, how, how do they do that? Through the media, right? Like, that's how they do it. Um, a lot of times, some of the best stories come out of good journalistic reporting. Mm-hmm. And I think what we have discovered in this conversation so far is that what Naomi Osaka is trying to get to is to basically filter out the journalists that are there to act. Like, there's a lot of, it's just like doctors. Every doctor graduated from medical school, but not every doctor finished at the top of their class in medical school. So mm-hmm. you don't you don't know that when you come mm-hmm. up upon a new doctor. You just know that they have officially are officially you know accredited and can perform this duty. Same thing with journalists. When you walk into an interview room, unless you've had some type of a longstanding relationship and know that that person is a good journalist and a trustworthy one, you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, how many times do we hear at uh, like football press conferences just dumb questions like Mm -hmm. absolutely just and you ask yourself this person is trained to do this job where did this question come from like it has nothing to do with anything that's here Mm -hmm. and what i honestly think is at this point is why are we doing any type of pre interviews at all right like these players are trying to focus on their craft especially these individual sports like why are Mm -hmm. we asking them how are you feeling coming into into this game like in between each uh, round of a golf tournament and so forth post-game stuff i can kind of understand like after the whole thing is wrapped up you've been eliminated from the tournament maybe like a little bit of time later like i think there needs to be some access because Mm -hmm. we as the fans if we want to invest in these players we need to know a little bit something about them and what have we talked about before about players who like mike trout is a great baseball player he's boring nobody knows anything about him Yeah. yeah and we don't know anything about him because he chooses not to be in the spotlight which means not to do media presence but I just think it's very, very interesting because I think that the paradigm needs to shift, but I think it's a two-way street. I think the athletes need to understand how the media works in terms of furthering sports and brands, and the media needs to stop asking dumb questions. So <clears throat> interesting interesting um, correlation there with, with a few things I, I totally agree with. Um, when it comes to sports, um, and obviously sports is a, is a very wide net to be casted when i say this fight sports or individual sports like when you're 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 a tennis player those sports rely heavily on the on the pre on the pre-game on the the presser to sell the fight to sell the match how do you feel going into this you're facing a number three you know three person you'll never see the entire offensive line of aaron Rodgers talking about facing the new york giants next week it it's like who cares you know what I'm saying? Who cares about how you feel about the scheme? Like it's the job of the coaches to get you guys ready. If you're gonna do that, then have the coaches do the presser. But in mm-hmm. a fight, if 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 you're if two guys are facing each other and they're they're both mega stars, you wanna you wanna see the fireworks building up to this event. So you're gonna mm-hmm. ask them about everything fight related, you know, what he said about your mother, what he what he thought of your kids, you know, what you know, what you guys knew each other from from like grade school and you guys sparred together in USA boxing back in the day, like, you know, and he beats you, like, how do you think it's going to happen now in the pros? So those, those sports rely heavily on, 
on that in, that type of engagement. Oppressor in the in the on the other side of that pendulum is like interviewing Cam Newton after the Super Bowl loss. It's like this is you got to catch him like okay what went wrong what but it's that's the moment where like no one coming out of a game like that no one coming out of a moment like that is wants to stand in front of a microphone at that point. I remember in high school just playing my last football game as a as a high school player and you're like. It wasn't a, a championship game. It wasn't a playoff game. It was just a game. And I'm like, God, this, this is the last time I'm going to suit up with these guys to play, you know, this. Now we're all going to go on to college and the rest of our lives. So it's a moment where you're raw, where, you know, if someone walked up to me with a mic, I'm, I probably wouldn't have been able to talk for anything. But mm -hmm. again, some some sports, you know, you kind of you kind of have this, this thing going on with that. One thing about... And again, I'm gonna go back to Ali because I, I can remember this clearly. And, and my dad telling me, I was like, why does Harako Sully is the only guy that gets to gets to like interview him? And he's like, Well, that's that's his guy. And I'm like, what do you mean that's his guy? He's like, you know, certain you know where you are with certain journalists, you know where you are with certain people. Howard was kind of like the guy that was going to keep it straight with you, but he's going to give you some gravity to kind of rotate in, 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 in that atmosphere to say, well, you know what? I know this is a sore spot for you. But when I look at like the interview of Mike Tyson being asked questions about his life and then they bring up his three-year-old daughter at the time who died on the treadmill, like, and Mike just kind of zones off and it's like, you know what, this is over. Like, you can't get mad at Mike for doing it because I'm like, why would you have this question queued up for this guy? Mm -hmm. It's a sore spot every time you hear from him. That 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 particular thing, his rape case, are the two things that you that you will see might go from from like, hey man, and then he just his mood completely changes up on you. And I'm like, at your peril, like, listen, you know, his agent called over like, hey, everything is good except do not ask him about this. And as a journalist, you're like, you know what? That's what the that's what the paper wants, or that's what the magazine wants, or that's what the network wants, or that's what the fans want. I'm like, but you gotta understand this person's a human being as well. Like this person is human, they have feelings. And you know, you're gonna bring up something very personal, near and dear, with spotlights on them and a camera rolling. It's like, hey, how do you feel about that? Go. And you're like, like I my guy told me that I wasn't gonna be asked about this. You know, you're not a politician where we're asking the juicy stuff because there's a scandal here. Like, hey, listen, you know, you're embezzling millions of dollars of, of your taxpayers' money, and you're in the Hamptons, and now you're here saying no, no question, no comment. Yeah, huge distinction to be made because politicians have been voted in to lead the country, right? <laughs> we, the people, have exercised our right to vote. So in my mind, everything is in bounds except for like we talked about trump's son like that was yeah. not in bounds right yeah. but that that's yeah. out of bounds but for the most part politicians are are in bounds because they have been voted in to lead this Probably country like that's a, yeah that's that, that's a huge distinction like these athletes are not being asked to do anything but entertain us and that's actually going to come up in my cowboy of the week this week too so mm. teaser for a little bit later but um I think the, the the fascinating part listening to like what you said is is this idea of like athletes in, in trust with the with with the media and I think that's where a lot of the disconnect has come from because and to, let's go let's go to the boxing world for a minute it's very very similar to pro wrestling in some ways because 
you're not just selling the athletic competition, you're selling a narrative to sell the athletic competition. And you and I talked about how certain fighters just don't have that it factor for us, not necessarily because they're not skilled fighters, but they also don't have any personality. They're not yeah. selling me with a fight. You talked about Connor being a great heel. The reason he's a great heel is because of all the extracurriculars that he does as a character, right? He's selling the fight with this narrative. That's how he gets butts and seats and buys on pay-per-view because you sell the fight. But every baseball game, every hockey game, there's not always a narrative to be sold there. And what are we gaining by asking the athletes tough questions out of something, out of a game or a match that maybe isn't necessarily that big of a deal? It's a huge deal to them, but in the grand scheme of their life or the grand scheme of. Yeah, yeah. it's week six. Yes. It's week six of the season. It's like you're asking me about something that that is not affecting our playoff seating. Yeah. And I think that, yes, I think that should be taken into consideration. But when we're talking about individual sports, such as tennis, for instance, it's always a winner-take-all situation. Always. So when you enter these majors, it's not like golf. You don't get four chances to, uh, you know, if you have a bad first day, you get two other, you know, three other chances to potentially uh, do it right. In tennis, if you're not on that particular match, you're done. Like you're done. same thing. Exactly. And boxing, the consequences are immense because if you're not on, it could be a matter of life and death. Um, And and so I think that we need to maybe start treating each sport differently with this media stuff, because like you said, nobody's asking the uh, the Packers offensive line how they're feeling about the defensive line. The only time that that really happens in prominence is the Super Bowl because they make a point to have media day. But even so. When you look at the uh, the media accompaniment to some of those uh, tents or whatever they are, you know, the stations, Tom mm-hmm. Brady has about 200 reporters and the starting O-lineman has like five. Yeah. So obviously the players that have the most spotlight and the biggest brands are still gaining the media attention. And I just wonder at, at what point we're able to toe the line because so that's fine for her to sit this one out and cite the issues that she's talking about. I completely agree. But then where does that end, right? Like, does she go further with it and say, look, I stand by any players who don't want to participate with media before or during events. So I'm going to start a pool that we can basically pay the fines with, right? Like yeah. so, sort of a thing. It put your, yeah. not, not put your money where your mouth is, but you, I think um, Cotton in the Rock and Ship talked about this, where it was like having a pool of money to pay for the litigation for some of these uh, mm-hmm. you know, police yeah, incidents was- and so forth. That was actually my um my my idea that I floated to Lenny on on the podcast. I said uh, if just to, you know for clarification of um of what was said, I said that if in these cases of injustices, whether it's a, someone of color or someone period against police or any any system, uh, if everyone in America or everyone that cared about that cause just gave a dollar and made a massive super fund. To say, hey, we have over three hundred and fifty million dollars in this in this fund to fight a case. It gives you more, like you know what? I don't care what your retainer is. I need this case fought, not one necessarily, but I need I need I need you to any resource you need. We got it. Just give us the retainer. You know that's and that's what I said about that. When it, mm-hmm. you made a great point about her standing or who she was, because again, if she was the number 25th person in the world or the number let's say 18th would we be having this conversation like no one would care 
No, but they're like, okay, well, that person's on the rise. But if you're in the top five, yeah, you know what? It's like, okay, we make, you know, we make a stand. Because again, you want to look at, if you're an athlete who, like, I think, um, and I, you know, I hate putting people's stuff out there, like Ron Artest or Meta World Peace. Like, he struggled with mental health. So did um, Brandon Marshall, mm-hmm. you know, where they, you know, they're, and they're, Brandon Marshall's actually, like, reinvented himself into a, a pretty decent um, guy on TV, you know. But if you look at his past and arrest reports, the guy has gone through some horrific things because of his mental health mm-hmm. or, 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 or lack thereof, you know. So when you want to talk about the violence of football or the violence of boxing or the violence of MMA, um, it's a way for these guys and girls to channel some of this aggression and you're not giving you, you're not doing them them or yourself any favors asking them i guess we can quote dumb questions where you're like like well everything is on on par with what's going on but then this out of that field stuff like hey so we heard your house is foreclosed on are you are you going to use the money from this tour to i'm like what the fuck like how is how is what does that have to do with any, any, any and everyone in the room is like what the fuck are you asking that for well it's going to affect how he's going to play if he thinks he's, he's going to lose his home or she's going to lose her home, they're going to play harder. I'm like, but you don't ask that. Flipping that coin over, imagine us as civilians in our in our work and your boss says, hey, you know what? I need you to do this, this, and that. You, you're like, I can do everything you ask, but I do not do presentations. So any anything you give me, I'm not presenting to anyone but you. Like, you're my guy. I can show you the work. But you got to kick it up to someone else to walk it into the big brass, and your and your jobs are gonna at you like, are you is he kidding? Like we're paying him a mint here, and this guy's telling us that there's facets of the job that he's not gonna do. Like I I, I don't do media, I don't do this, I don't do that. You know what Al Heyman is? Yes. Have you, have you ever seen a picture of Al Heyman? A long time ago. For those who don't know Al Heyman, circling back to the boxing world. He was a concert producer back in the day, and he got into boxing because the guy knows how to sell and promote. And this guy has more world champions than anybody, right? And he lets them do their thing. When it comes to their contracts, they have no obligation other than to show up on fight night, show off their shit, and go home. There's nothing in their contracts about... You have to do this. You have to do that. You just have to make it to the fight. That's the only stipulation I, I, I could think of in the contract where don't get arrested before this fight. Like, you know, because we got millions of dollars on the table. You need to show up. And you need to show up ready to fight. Other than that, go go, go hang out. Drive a motorcycle if you want. It's at your own peril. You know? So when so boxing doesn't have a unified league or, or, or unified body and stuff like that. So that promoter isn't isn't he's leaving it up to the fighters to sell the fight however mm-hmm. he's going to promote it like listen i'm going to let people know where it's going to be when it's going to be how it's going to who's there who's going to be there but it's up to you guys to make it juicy to put the i'm going to give you the grill put the steak on the grill and make it sizzle and i think that's something is to be said about someone that powerful you're never in the ring never in pitches with guys you never see this guy out. I'm like, is this a real, is this like a real person or a pseudonym or who is? And then 
I saw pictures. I'm like, I know who that is. I'm like, wow, that's Al Heyman. I thought it was someone else back in the day. I was like, wow, I thought that was Al Heyman. But you know, just to kind of do that, sorry to ran off in the in the woods there, but just wanted to get that get that out. Just to further your point, uh, on his Wikipedia page, there is a section called criticism and controversy, and the first sentence is. <laughs> Heyman is rarely seen and never interviewed. So yes. uh, there you go. And also the last <laughs> sentence, it, the last sentence in that is he's also been criticized by fans and writers alike for the inactivity of many of his fighters. Just want to yeah. name off some of his fighters that are on the notable client list. I think you'll know a few of these. Yeah. Um, obviously, Floyd Mayweather, mm -hmm. uh, Luis Ortiz. Yep. Uh, Mandy Pacquiao. Yep. A Andy Ruiz. Yep. Uh, Errol Spence Jr., Deontay yep. Wilder, uh, Adrian Broner, one of my faves, uh, <laughs> said with a maximum sarcasm. Uh, Danny Garcia, Armir Khan, um, Adonis Stevenson, like the list keeps going on and on and on and mm -hmm. on. So it's not as if he's some, he's made millions of dollars off the fight game and we don't have a clue what who he is, really. Yeah. Go back um, to the first part you said about, you said about what you read about the criticism oh it said that he's rarely seen and never interviewed no no you said something about that they said they criticized him because of his fighters something with the, his fighters the inactivity of his fighters okay so for those because matt and i are super boxing fans so sorry guys yeah we always gotta kick boxing around in this thing what that really translates to or means is that he doesn't let his guys take fights that are that are not advantageous to his brand or their pocket he would actually as a criticism from from me is that uh and i'll use um quillen i forget his first name but they call him kid chocolate from brooklyn who gave up a title that they paid him to give up his title they paid him like seven hundred thousand dollars to give up his title and i didn't agree with that so didn't you know a lot of boxing um greats and 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 and, and the like because you work so hard to get a title to to relinquish it without it being taken from you in, in the field of combat is kind of asinine. But he felt like if you step out of the way, relinquish that title, I can have two guys fight for it. And I know you can beat one of the guys that can get it and we can make more money. So that's a criticism. And I think that's what that kind of alludes to. But he also doesn't make these guys fight fights. Like the fight with with, with Pac-Man and, and um, Thurman, he would have been like, what are you doing? Like that's a... It's a sucker fight. It's a trap fight. Why do you take in that fight? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry so, about that. nope. So it's all relevant um, because how about that? I mean, somebody who is is making money off these folks and never does interviews refuses to do it. But those fighters don't have that luxury because they have to to sell themselves and sell the fight. But going back to Naomi Osaka for a minute. So I, I have to ask, and I don't uh, necessarily you know, mean this to, to solve the problem, but like, where is the line? Because I think taking off a major tournament is one thing, uh, but what becomes, I guess, not inappropriate, but I think you get the idea. Like where, where is the line here? Like, what do you think is agreeable that she can do this, but at some point it crosses the line of, well, you have to do something. Like, do you think athletes in general will ever be able to say we're not doing media at all, period. I don't think they can get away with that, mainly because no. it doesn't benefit their brand. Correct, yes. And so yeah. I just I just wonder to myself where she goes with this, because I'm all well and good with it now, especially with the reasons cited. 
but yet she wants to highlight mental health awareness. Well, again, how best do you do that? Well, see, so you you kind of answered the question Sorry. actually without even answering it. So what what this creates as far as a precedent is that there's going to have to be someone in her camp or someone else out there that's smarter than you and I to tell her like, listen, okay, well, you made a great stance, but now you have to put some something behind that. So are you going to set up a, a, a fund to do that? Or a way to help someone who's the 25th in the world or the 190th in the world that wants to take this stand, uh, who is suffering from real anxiety things and stuff like that? Um, how can you do that? This this brings it to like Ricky Williams, right? Mm -hmm. Remember when he was in New Orleans and people were like laughing at him about doing the interview. He's like bare chested with a football helmet on, black visor. It's like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? And I'm like, obviously something's bothering the guy. Like, you know, like, it's not for shits and giggles. Like he's suffering from like Mike's being in his face. But then you have other guys that just, you're like, shut the fuck up already. Like I'm tired of hearing about this guy. You know, like you're looking at guys, like every play on the field is celebrating a first down. I'm like, dude, <laughs> the, you guys are losing by a hundred and you're celebrating this shot like it's the shit. So I think about what, yeah, what is her next move? Is she gonna, is she has, has an alliance ready, a foundation? that the fans are going to go to is there is there going to be a sponsor um mental health sponsor or 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 society or something that sponsors her and says hey listen you know we can we're a non-profit or whatever we can you know have you be our spokesperson and she may say well i didn't sign up for all of that i just i'm, I'm just making a point about i don't feel like doing interviews sometimes so by you opening the kicking this hornet's nest you might you might have opened something that you you know, want to deal with or like, oh my God, I didn't know they were going to take it this far. Yeah. You know? <laughs> couple thing, cu couple things to unpack there. First, by refusing to do media at all, what you are allowing is the media to create the narrative by themselves. And that's one thing you always talk about, you're extremely consistent on, is somebody being able to defend their own position, being given, being afforded the luxury of being able to do that. Because we talked about on like when we talk about fans of some fan bases on like political football, they don't have the ability to come back on and, and say why they believe a certain thing. Right. We, we don't we, we don't have the mind to do that. So that that's something to take into consideration. And what I fear would happen here is that the narratives will be written about her and she'll be like, they can't say that about me. Well, if you're unwilling to come out there and say anything about yourself, then you are sort of like the journalists have to do their job. They're the same. Yeah. They're getting paid to do this job. So they have yeah. to do it. And the other part of it is uh, that what that you spoke to is like not being ready to take the mantle of this. Well, yeah. you're the most prominent figure in the sport. Mm -hmm. You taking a stance like this to me, if it's if it's just a matter of wanting to be defiant and not do it and using mental health as something that you know is behind it then i think it's a little bit of a misguided endeavor because there has to be something bigger to it there has to be something that furthers it like if you don't like the way things are then you have What's to have a solution, solution. yes yeah. yes and this is one thing that politicians get wrong all the time is they say i don't like this well i never hear any results like oh we need gun reform well why the hell hasn't anybody come up with a plan like nobody yeah. has any clue about what they're going to do they just say yes or no and that's all they have right yeah and i and i, I wonder a devil's advocate is it possible because i know you like these kind of scenarios these little conspiracies sometimes mm -hmm. is it possible that she's doing this to further her brand because 
now well, you know well, what yeah I mean? that's what yeah well that's why that's why i made the the, the yeah. comment about about if someone's smart they can either capitalize on this meaning mm-hmm. an exterior an, an exterior capitalist to say hey you know what we need to promote this mental health thing we just got the perfect soundboard and the perfect spokesperson go or hey you made an inflammatory comment about your anti-media air quotes you know um let's see how how much we can get attention on this and and where we can go but again the scary part like you said it's the narrative it's like if if something happened in in her life right catastrophic and by all means i'm not putting anything bad in the universe for her let's say she gets accused of something right and you don't have a media presence you don't have people your guy or whatever to go to to tell your side of it it's good like you said it's going to be written for you you know we all hear about how how much of an asshole Barry Bonds was to to the media you know every year he gets snubbed for for the hall of fame you think these guys give a shit you think anybody's saying hey they they say well based on his numbers and based on take out the steroids the guy's a hall of famer and that's the extent of that but no one's like putting putting up a, a banner like hey get Barry in gives you because he was such a jerk off to these guys coming up you have no equity you have no currency with these guys for someone to say you know what and then i can imagine what goes on in the voting room where they're like fuck this guy you know what he's going to wait till his last year eligibility and we're going to make him the last one to go in in that class i don't think he's you ever going to get in i think he's nah, going to get in when he's dead yeah yeah i i think so too same for Pete Rose i think I think that's what they're going to do they're going to like ultimately, like an ultimate fuck you, you go in now, you know? Those two One have some, the, so, sorry. Huh? So those two have some similarities, actually. We'll get to those after you make your point. Yeah. So um, when, so when it comes down, I, I guess, I guess my, my, I guess my circumference in this whole, in this whole argument is when it comes down to who you are, meaning who you are in, in, in the realm of sports, right? There's some there's some people that when they retire or they're out of the sport, whether they retired, you know, them doing it or the sport retires you and you're done, that your relevancy relevancy goes away. There's there's so many people that have played that have played sports from boxing to anything that they try to say something now, no one cares. No one is like, you you played a hundred thousand years ago. Who gives a shit? You know, Adrian Broner. And, yeah, so so a lot of people, you know, it's like the guy that doesn't want to be recognized. Like they go to dinner, mm-hmm. hey, it's such and such. Or you're sitting out for 10 minutes and no one says a word to you. You're like, do they know that I, I wasn't a 1989 World, you know, World Series team? It was like, who? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah, do you know who I am? No, actually, I don't. I don't. Um, I don't. <laughs> but one, one more thing on her before we move on. Uh, do you think that it would have been more powerful had she stepped in front of the media at this event and made this statement herself, as opposed to putting it on Instagram, where it feels like a little bit of a cop-out because you can ghost everything and just say, well, I put it on Instagram, so that's it. Well, I'm glad you alluded to that. And again, this this shows the chemistry of, 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 of how we do this show and how we live our lives as friends. So here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? You have handlers or... Uh, uh, what do they call those people? 
the damage control people. Like, yeah, like when something your, happens, your PR people, your PR. Yes. There we go. Your PR. So when she, this, when this was conceptualized and I'm, again, I'm speculating here because I wasn't in the room with her or in her head when she thought of this, or if this was bounced around at breakfast somewhere, it's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm just, I'm not going to do any more press. Um, because of da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, if I'm her PR person or her, her publicist, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. So let's wait till we get to the event and let's do it then. No, no, I think I'm, I'm going to do it on Instagram live. And I'm like, listen, that's not going to go over well with the, with the event sponsors, with the people that pay our salaries. Like you just can't announce that you're going to, so I'm like, well, what went into this decision? And again, I, I agree with you. Like doing it on Instagram, it's like that doesn't have the same power of like standing in front of some microphones in front of the media as well. You guys are the reason why I don't want to do this. Versus and, Twitter. Yeah. You're typing it or you're getting on Instagram with a video. Well, that no. See, that's the thing is there was no video on Instagram. It was just Jesus, a post with that's... typed words. Yeah. And... I, I do so this is where I think you and I show our age a little bit by the way there is a new term that apparently describes me anybody born between 1980 and 1985 is considered a geriatric millennial so there you go um, so and that's where I feel like I am because to me there's something about owning the words that you want to say and it's the same criticism that I gave Aaron Rodgers where don't whisper to people in the organization in hopes that it gets out come out and put the words to your own face because there's more power behind that. And so in my mind, the message is a little bit lost because she's un unwilling to come out and say it in a way that could have been so much more impactful. And especially for a young, prominent black athlete where we are trying to scream for equality in so mm -hmm. many areas. And you say it the best, a seat at the table, right? Yeah. We want a seat at the table and yet she had a chance to do that and instead puts in an Instagram post, which I get that she has, you know, however many millions of followers, but mm -hmm. I don't know. To me, the outreach would have been so much more impactful if her mm -hmm. face, her words, her voice, even if she read that statement and left, that's, there's so yeah. much power to that. And I do wonder if that is a, um, a plague that's going to sort of, uh, be with younger people as we get more and more into this technology bit, because I see it all the time in dating people ghosting mm -hmm. people left and right you don't have to break up with somebody in person you don't even have to give them a phone call like not even the courtesy yeah. of a phone call and yeah. we're taking all the discomfort or, or the need to be vulnerable out of it and i get the mental health side of it because i struggle with that sometimes too but isn't it kind of incumbent on you to put yourself in front of that message i don't know maybe again that's us showing our age but it just feels like that was that was the wrong yeah, medium I mean, to do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, if like again, if I'm her publicist or I'm, I'm, I'm her PR team, um, we start getting some backlash from this, and I'm like, you know what, the account got hacked. Just say the account got hacked. Go out there and say what you really meant to do or what you meant to say was this. The thing too is that I see this as um, my dad used to say to me as a kid, right? If I'm upset about something, he used to say. Don't apologize for being upset. If something upsets you, you can apologize for your actions and what you did about being upset. Like, like you, you were punished for doing something. 
and then you went upstairs, slammed your door, and like a, a picture got broke or something like that. So you, you're not apologizing for getting upset for being punished. You're apologizing like, well, I didn't mean to slam the door that hard and, and break a painting or a picture or whatever, you know? So it, it, it comes down to, to that. Now, to me, there's obviously been a, not a lot of smoke on this. Um, and I think it's because it is tennis. It's, you know, not to say tennis is any shit compared to other sports, but it hasn't been a lot of smoke on it because, again, this is, if this was if this was Tom Brady saying this, hey, man, you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm not doing any more media. <laughs> They're like, well, what's going on? And I would I would say Tom is in, in the LeBron camp of someone that, hey, go ahead and find me. I think I'm good. I think about four game checks will cover me for the rest of the year. You know, like, <laughs> I think I'm good. Whatever you're finding out, maybe, I'm sorry, maybe one game check might cover me for the rest of the year in fines, you know? So well, a it, more recent example is Marshawn Lynch, as you brought up. And to me, that was a much more effective way to do it, where he said, look, I don't want to be here and do this, but I'm here so I don't get fined. And it told you everything that you needed to know. And he kind of got seen as... Um, I don't want to say like a badass, but you get the idea. Like I, I don't remember. They were like applauding the move. Anti-establishment. Yes. It's but it's... in a professional way that still met the like the contractual criteria. It was actually a genius way to do it, and, and yeah, he it was put funny, his face out funny. there. It was funny. Yes. And know? it was was after a playoff game that he did that. Dude, all up to the Super Bowl. Like yeah. he he literally <laughs> the best one to me was, huh? What? Huh? That was. I mean. The the getting fine thing, I didn't like that too much. I'm like, well, then why are you even speaking? But he, when he just kept saying, yeah, 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 that was actually pretty pretty funny. But again, if you're trying to do your job, you come back to your network and they're like, Matt, did you get the story? I'm like, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I think we got enough here, you know? Yeah, and again, like that allowed the media to write their own narrative about him, and it's a narrative that to this day is is pretty incorrect. That he's not surly. We I've shared a story about him giving away turkeys randomly without you know any fanfare in Hawaii and so forth. So he's clearly a good person. So yeah. definitely a situation to monitor because uh, I think it's so entangled in so many things, and I don't know if there's a racial element to it outside of the fact that it's mostly white males who are doing the covering of these sports and so i think there is a cultural disconnect in a way in that regard but i don't know how much of it is really tied to this particular situation other than like if she was a white athlete or tom brady like i think it still means something i you know i, what I mean? think it's i think i think not not overshadowing that i think i think it's more of an economics thing of a of a green thing versus black too. or white or i think it's like hey if she doesn't do press, MS is not gonna like sign up for the sponsorship. If she doesn't do press, we're not gonna get, you know, uh whoever else to come in. So I think it's more like she needs to do press because all eyes all eyes are on this thing. It's like when a like when a team boycotts the Olympics. If there's mm -hmm. like if there's social atrocities or you know, um human rights things going on and you know, and and America says, Well, we're not gonna send any delegation to the Olympics, you know? And it's like Okay, fine. They're not going to show up. But then someone taps them on the shoulder and I'm like, hey, that means Amex is not coming. Nike's not coming. Uh, you know, like, it's not just the teams, mm -hmm. which is a bummer, but it's all the money 
back in those teams, oh, that's just not coming now. So yes. you better go over there and kind of fix that. You know, this that's is, how that's how that goes. This is what happened to LeBron, the Hong, the Hong Kong thing. China tapped yeah. him on the shoulder and said, "Hey," <laughs> and he was like, "Look, we shouldn't be speaking about sneaker that. sales." Like, Wait, See that? Yes. <laughs> I do think that has a lot to do with it, and that's why I think they're are potential hypocrisies in her stance because she's going to take the checks, but she's not going to go out there. And so it's multifaceted. And yeah. I do, I do, I wanted to get into it because I thought we'd get into some of the good stuff. And if you're listening and you disagree with us on any stance, uh, definitely sound off with us on Instagram, Cowboy Season Podcast, because um, I don't necessarily think either one of us is completely wrong or right. I don't think there is a firm answer to this. I think that it, brings up a lot of questions about the media paradigm when it comes to athletes and i think it's worth diving into uh one more thing before we get to cowboy of the week so you mentioned pete rose and barry bonds and i think the affliction that they both uh uh, suffered from was the fact that they didn't do themselves any favors because they firmly believe that whatever they did wasn't wrong and they basically were unapologetic to the point that why are we now going to give a crap about you? Because I firmly believe Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer. Pete Rose is a Hall of Famer for their baseball, you know, work, even before yeah. the steroids. And now we have come yeah. to learn that steroids are not as big of a deal anymore, right? We look back on it and it's kind of like, all right, like it's an era. We need to consider it an era and move on. But Barry yeah. Bonds acted like he didn't do it. And I think that was a yeah. huge turnoff because I'd rather yeah. Barry to come out and say, yeah, I did it. So fucking yeah. what? Like that would have made it so much better. What? But wouldn't you have taken like in the moment yeah. you would have been like this fucking guy. But then now as it seasons, you would have been like, I'm glad he did it that way as opposed to the way that he did it yeah. where he said he took like, what was it? Oh, this thing that went under my my tongue and it dissolved. It was like deer horse oil. And you're like, bro, because come out and say that you took steroids. Everybody yeah. else was doing it. It's fine. Yeah, it's. It's, you know, to your point, you know, it's if you if you're if you committed a crime, you know, obviously this is more this is more serious than what we just said. You committed a crime uh, in the victims in the victim statement um, and your sentencing. Um, it doesn't matter a whole lot, but it does have some gravity is that you show contrition and you show that, you know, that you are sorry for what happened or what you did. You know, but if you're like Bernie Madoff, like, fuck them. I don't give a fuck. It's like, it's like, okay, so now we're supposed to be your guy. So again, yeah, those, I picked those two guys in, in the conversation. Again, we didn't pre-plan any of this. Like, we talk off the cuff, guys. Um, and this is how the conversation kind of happens. And I, I, I thought of those two guys and of course Ali, but I thought about how, Charlie Hustle, which is the dopest, one of the dopest nicknames in in, in any sport. Also Charlie a double Hustle. entendre, by the way. Yeah, you know? <laughs> for, for him. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, but I, again, because if you're likable, people will put up with shit. People will, people will give you a pass and people, you know, we talked about the, the heel stuff where you, someone likes to hate you. You know, but then, then you you rub people in such a wrong way and you, you take these hard stances to the point where no one's giving you the time of day when you really have something to say. Like, you know what? He's always blowing us off. So what do you guys say about it now? No mm-hmm. one cares now. Or if you yeah. join in on a, on, a, on a big thing, it's like, oh, he's only doing that because everyone else is joining in. Like he, so Matt's all, all of a sudden he's this guy now when yes. everything is shown us that you're not that guy. to me it's just and and we don't we do not want to get into this in depth but it's like 
OJ trying to sell us that he didn't do it and then writing a book, but if I did do it. And it's See, like again, it's not PR, helpful. PR, PR people is like, yo, what are you what are you doing? Like to no. be fair though, to be fair, we had a president who had PR people that he never listened to for four years. So I, I don't even know what to tell you about that. All right, that's a that's a fantastic set. OJ is a perfect segue into cowboy season. We're going amateur. I do not have the imaging up. Hello, I will tell you this little little secret insider. I am creating imaging for the segment going forward. So look forward okay. to that. I will debut that when you least expect it. Um, and I'm sure it will be cowboy hats and everything. But let's get into <laughs> Cowboy of the Week. Who, do you have anybody interesting for me this week? Well, actually, because I, I, I don't have names, but um, because of what's happening right now in the media. Um, so obviously sports is kind of back. Uh, we're, in the, we're in the clutches of playoff basketball and playoff hockey. And there's been numerous situations already, just a weekend of bad fandom. And I am, as you, if you guys listen to political football, uh, I am a guy who's not into. I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of a team, and that's where it kind of ends. Like I am not the. Per, I mean, I, I'll wear like a jersey. You know, I'm. I'll you know talk shit online or whatever. But I am not getting into any kind of physical brawls. I am not getting into anything because at the end of the day, I hurt someone, someone hurts me. That organization can care less for my hospital bills, for my legal defense fund, you know. So when you're when you're out here at a at a sporting event, albeit it's been 14 months since you've had to sit down in the seat that you're paying good money for. To throw popcorn, to spit on someone, to hurl, you know, really nasty things towards someone's family that's sitting in the stands. It's like, I I agree with LeBron saying about, you know, we could take heckling, we could take someone joining at us because that's part of playing basketball. It's part of, but when you take it to those extents, you guys are ultimate fucking cowboys with that bullshit. Like, you're pay, you're going to pay playoff basketball. There's, these tickets are not cheap tickets. Playoff basketball tickets, playoff hockey tickets, right? You're going to pay hundreds of dollars for a seat and then you're going to get now banned from the stadium <laughs> and possibly, you know, reprimanded. I don't even know what could happen. I know spending on someone is a third degree assault, but for what? So again, I don't have names because I just have images on TV with that showing. They're trying to track people down, but you guys are the ultimate fucking cowboys because you're rooting for a team that can care less after you purchase that ticket first time in show history we picked the same one <laughs> here we go <laughs> you know why go. because so the incidences that cleve is talking about uh there is a few actually but uh, the ones that came out or stuck out of my mind uh some fan dumping popcorn on russell westbrook which is just so dehumanizing so demeaning and that that Philadelphia fan, I believe, was not only banned from the end; they, they're banned from the arena permanently, no matter what the event is. And I think that is the way to curb that: ban them forever from the from the arena. I don't care if your favorite band is coming to town; you're done. Um, yeah. And the other one was the fan sp supposedly saw it on film spitting on Trey Young. But I want to use actually, I want to talk about a, an honorable mention because it's kind of in the same realm. And I'm going with New York Knicks fans. Um, yeah. The reason here's the thing, dude. So uh dave and i talked about this a little bit on pf the other day but we were talking offline and i there's something about the unearned arrogance of knicks fans with this playoff birth first time mm -hmm. in like 11 years they've made the playoffs 
And after winning a game the other night to tie a series between a four and a five seed at one to one, they come out of the stadium chanting, we want Brooklyn, like as if they've won the fucking NBA title. <laughs> and I just don't, I, I just, I'm so baffled by it. Like, I do, do New, what, do New Yorkers really need this in a way, like in sports? I know they need it from the pandemic and all that, but I mean, with the Yankees and the Giants both having won titles recently, right? Uh, the Mets been having been in the World Series. It's not like New York has been devoid of success when it comes to sports, but like it's one thing if they win the series, but they come out chanting "We want Brooklyn," who is the best team in the East, as if they've like after a game, dude. Like yeah. how cowboyish is that? Like it's to me, it's just like celebrating a first down, uh, you know, stopping a guy on first down when you're down thirty to six. I don't understand it. It feels so cowboyish to me. And if they ultimately lose the series, then it matters none. And I'm not saying they can't be enthusiastic about their fans. I mean, about their team. But I mean, come on. Like you haven't made the playoffs in forever, and you win one game, like one yeah. game in a in a best of seven series that they could end up losing. So like ultimately, that one win may not matter at all. Like I don't know. To me. It just felt so silly and so yeah. in the realm of what we talk about. And then, of course, the fans are spitting on Trey Young, so it makes it even worse. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm from that region, um, unfortunately, and fortunately, um, and <laughs> the arrogance of sporting fandom up there. It's kind of. That's an that's an exact peer into that window, because there's nothing to get excited about for a while, and then there is a flash, and then you lose your fucking mind, like oh my god. And I'm like, okay, well, let's win the series first, then we can maybe talk a little shit. But you know, you don't get no points for second place. You know, as my daughter used to say as a little kid, you know, in a, in a in a two legged race, I'm sorry, in a two man race, if you come in second second place is first place for losers so you know new york city i i hope your knicks go far um i doubt it but i hope your knicks go far but you know tone down some of the some of the rhetoric save it for when when we get you know when you guys get a, a legitimate shot at the semis or maybe the conference finals so i mean the only cool thing about it is that it felt like a return to normalcy in a lot of ways in mm -hmm. being able to have fans there feeling good about it not being able to you know worry about it and the other cowboy of the week would be the fans at the pga on the 18th uh from this past or last weekend when um they stormed the the course before the damn thing was even over uh brooks kepka got his knee hit uh his surgically repaired knee that he had just had surgery on two months ago Jeez. and the pga was totally not um totally not prepared for it but fans in general have just been look folks i get it we haven't had a real semblance of life for the last 14 months but can we remember how to act in public please like it's yeah. not that difficult we're not neanderthals we're still evolved humans like let's let's kind of remember that i would love to in the future do a show about this very this very topic about fandom fan behavior and what what leagues or sports should do um, to uh, to either protect these players or, or protect the fans from themselves, things of that nature. Because you know we've all seen fights in the stands, we've seen fights in the parking lots, we've seen fights on the court, on the field, in the ring. Um, I mean, just like we did the heel thing. There's there's a ton of things like off the top of my head that I can remember 
you know, other than the greatest malice in the palace, uh, which I, I agreed with the guys up until they got into the stands and, and shit got crazy. But I agreed with the, with the retaliation uh, t- to some extent. But yeah, Cowboy Mal- season. The malice in the palace is easily, and I'm not trying to be like Mike Greenberg <laughs> hyperbole here, is easily one of the most bizarre sporting events of my lifetime. Like, and I honestly don't think it's very close because I mean, I'm almost 40, but like, think about that. Like, and imagine if that happened today, imagine how that would be covered. Like back then we, if you weren't watching that game live, you didn't find out about it until it hit sports center. Cause we really weren't quite yet in that news yeah. cycle where everything is at your fingertips. But that yeah. was one of the craziest things. And I actually went back a couple weeks ago because my boss had never heard of it. He's like, what are you referring what? to? I mean, like, what do you mean? What are you mind referring to? Like, it's <laughs> oh one my of the, God. and I told him, I was like, this is not hyperbole. It's one of the most bizarre events in sports of my lifetime. Like there's nothing that could even come close to that, that I physically witnessed. And it's just the craziest thing. And when I sent him the footage, he said, oh my God, this actually happened. I was like, yes, yeah. this and- actually happened. And you hit on the head about about the about the how the information was cycled and how fast. The greatest the greatest comment out of that whole thing was Jermaine O'Neal, as they got to the locker room, him and Steven Jackson and and run our test, which you guys officially officially known as Meta World Peace. Jermaine O'Neal looks both these guys in their eyes as they're all wet from beer and blood and whatever, and says, "Do you think we're gonna get in trouble for this?" Oh, it's <laughs> such a, yeah, exactly. Oh my God. <laughs> I think Steven Jackson was like, what do you mean are we going to get in trouble? Like, we are so screwed. We just hit eight guys. Like, I'm telling you, listeners, Amazing. if you have never seen the footage, I, I don't oh. even really know how to describe it. Like, Just saying that those three guys went into the stands and fought the fans doesn't do it justice because <laughs> it's like at, at one point it is so hard to tell who the players are and who the fans are because it's just a brawl in the stands the only other nba related one that i can remember is the heat knicks when jeff van gundy was basically being dragged by alonzo morning's ankles on the court because they got into that scuffle you remember that yeah Yeah. Yeah, i remember that yeah i remember that and and (laughs) yeah crazy and jeff van gundy of course is a great visual because he was a tiny man back then he hasn't gotten any bigger now yeah and alonzo morning was well like seven feet tall yeah oh yeah so just so in in closing um and since we're drudging up this type of stuff you guys got to look at uh holyfield bow two uh guy parachutes into the arena uh, and ends up landing on the like the top rope in the middle of an iconic round, and as the guy's entangled in a parachute, he's being beaten with cell phones, beer bottles. I mean, it was brutal. Like I'm like, what did this guy do to deserve this beating? But again, he parachuted into it was a publicity stunt, and the guy must have signed up for something. Less than that, but the guy had multiple injuries. It was, and then uh, brawls broke out. And I Reddick like Bo, it followed it followed Reddick Bo to another fight where he fought Andrew Galata and he got low blowed a few times. And his entire corner got in the ring, and the entire Brooklyn got in the ring. And Galata was this like fear for his life. I'm like, you know, this is these are major sporting events, and you got to think about. You know, fans, 
coming in. They don't metal detect you. I mean, at least now they probably do. But you could any one of them guys could get stabbed in that melee. It's crazy. Crazy. I like this. Let's table this for for another episode because I think we could easily talk about things like oh, this. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, this is good stuff. So uh, definitely appreciate the listeners' time. Um, you know, sorry we missed you last week, but Cleve and I are busy men, uh, mainly because we're trying to keep political football the manual and socially casual up so check out uh those on any podcast platforms you can find us everywhere you can find us on maddiesmedia.com as well as some other stuff like we mentioned cotton and the rocket ship i think we've actually name dropped every podcast on maddie S media today so good yeah. for us we're marketing the shit out of this thing <laughs> um anyway any closing remarks besides the uh the malice in the palace nah i mean I, as you guys um as we get closer to, to normalcy um this is our first major holiday since the pandemic is kind of tapering off, burning off a little bit. Um, it's We're not at zero cases. We're still at, case numbers are still coming in at around 22,000, I think, which is a far cry from 140-something thousand a day. So, you know, if you're not fully vaccinated, please still try to do your thing. If you are fully vaccinated and you're around people that you may not think are, you know, just use your better judgment and have fun. But you know, let's try to keep respecting each other. That's all I got. Yeah. Stop acting like Neanderthals. You've been there before. That's the, I should go old NFL coach. Act like you've been there before. <laughs> and uh, we've all been out. So, Cleve, I appreciate your time, my man. And I will catch you next episode. Preach.